Hey everyone, welcome to the Gatekeepers Podcast. In this episode, the Pridgeons speak on what it means to live in light of eternity. If you want to know more about Gatekeepers, visit gatecityatl.com slash gatekeepers. Enjoy. I, I got to teach the, uh, the interns this week, and... Um, and, uh, and there was like a moment in there when we were talking, I was doing like an overview of end times um, teaching, and then there was like this this pocket, this window. Are, are, are the interns here? Are you guys here? Yeah. You remember? The, yeah, woohoo. You, you guys know that pocket I was talking about where it was like all of a sudden it was like it got thick in the room, like the Lord was, you know, it was just, it was strong. And I, I've just been thinking on that since. And, uh, and so I kind of want to just, I kind of want to ramp off that subject. And so, um, we were talking about the the rewards of the age to come, uh, and and I um and it just it's just like the Lord began to kind of to wait weigh on that. So I want to um I want to pray real quick, and then I want to I want to go into this. So Father, we just thank you, Jesus, that this is this is such a, an important subject that for the most for many in the body of Christ, Lord, we're we're, we're we just we don't even have a grid for it at all. And Lord, I I I understand very little as well. Lord, we're all in the in the kiddie pool. As it relates to this subject, but I'm asking God that you would help us go a little deeper today, Lord. We would just be able to step a little further into the ocean of the knowledge of God. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll read a verse real quick. It's in uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. I'm going to start there. It's kind of a, a springboard verse. Um, actually, I want to go, I'm sorry, I said verse 10. Verse 11. Revelation 3, verse 11. So I, I maybe, I'm going to be talking a lot of Bible verses, so quick thumbs. Y'all got to go quick. I don't, I don't want to be like, you know, Ecclesiastes isn't all here for the next five minutes. You know, you're looking at the book of maps. It's not going to work. Um, so use your, your thing or just trust that what I'm saying is actually in the Bible. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right, verse 11 says this. Jesus, this is Jesus speaking to the church um, in Philadelphia, and he says, Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. All right, say it again. He says, "Hold, behold, I'm coming quickly." All right, he's talking about the second coming. That's you know, that's we always love the quickly soon verses, but it's it's the Lord saying that I'm coming back. He goes, "Hold what you've been given, and hold on to all the things you you've 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 already won in God, and all the things that are being stored for you." Like, hold them, don't lose them, and let no one take your crown. Okay, so, there's a couple of thoughts here. And he's talking to a church that's presently alive, and he's telling them right then, he goes, you have already got things stored up for you in the ages to come. The way you've already currently lived, and this is actually, Paul said the very same thing. He said, he goes, he goes behold, my departure's at hand. He goes, my, my, you know, my, he understood he was about to die, he goes, and he, and he actually says, he says, finally, there's a crown laid up for me, a crown of righteousness which the Lord will give to me, but not to me only, but to all those who love his appearing. And Paul understood something that, that even in his life, the way he had currently lived, that he had stored up for himself rewards for the age to come. And what and Jesus is saying, he goes, many of you have the same things. See, God is going to reward you for the, which, the way you've lived so far in your life and the way you're going to live. And he's actually, he's actually pleading with you and saying, and don't let anyone take your crown. Don't let anyone take those rewards that are being, that are being stored up for you. So the first thing you got to realize is that, is that, is that you know, uh, 
like most of us aren't even aware that you have a crown. In other words, I, the, I say it this way. In order for your crown to be stolen, you must have first have to have one. I know this is really deep, right? No one can steal your car if you don't have a car, okay? Um, and, and, and so Paul's, and, and Paul and John are both saying, are, are the, 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 actually the Jesus here, is that you have something. You have something that's very valuable. Now listen, when we look at the Bible, a lot of times the, the, the rewards that God oftentimes wants to give us it may not touch us immediately, but if we just kind of stare at it a little further, it'll begin to move our heart, and we'll go, man, I actually really want that. I re that's something that's actually very, very valuable, you know? Like, I mean, when he says, behold, he goes, here, I'll give you a crown. Like, you know, for me, I, that was like when I was four. I was like, man, that's what I want, you know what I'm saying? But yet 42, which I am now, I'm, you know, it's a crown, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I, I, okay. Um, but I guarantee you on that day, you know, when he says, behold, here, here comes, I'll give a white stone, you're going to be like, Awesome, you know, but I guarantee in that day, every one of us in this room is going to be like, I want that because that represents something that's really near and dear to the heart of God. And it speaks about something related to your life and how, how well you love Jesus. And, uh, but this subject of rewards, man, you don't realize how much it's in the Bible. Um, I, I told the interns this, if you guys have ever, um, you ever bought like, I don't know, like, you, you know, you're not really thinking about cars. All of a sudden, you want you need to get a car, and then you got a certain car in mind. Then you notice that then that little season, you start seeing that car everywhere on the road. It's like, oh my gosh, there, there it is. There's my red Lamborghini. There's my red Lamborghini. You know, whatever it is you were looking for, right? You start seeing it everywhere, and that's how this is. When you start seeing then like like the, the, the age to come and the rewards that come, you start seeing that God mot motivates us by rewards over and over again. Now, some of us in this room are super spiritual, and you're like, I don't want a reward. Just give me Jesus. But the problem is, is Jesus is the one who's the one saying, no, 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 I want to give you a reward. Because he knows that's how we're, that's how we're wired, how we operate. Nobody goes to work if they don't think they're going to get a paycheck. You're like, no, I just, you know, just communism, doing it for free. No, you don't do that, right? You, you, you realize like, okay, I, I'm not going to do this unless I can, I can, I can, I can see the benefit of what's, what it's going to come back to. And the Lord knows us. He's wired us that way. And in fact, you can't actually repent of that. There's something of this, that God's hardwired into us and this desire to be rewarded and to, and to, and to have greatness upon us. Now we, now, we can go about it the wrong way and try to get it through illegitimate means, but that thing is actually hardwired in our soul. And so God uses it over and over again. I mean, Revelation 2 and 3 says, He who overcomes, I will give. He who overcomes, I will give. He who overcomes, I will grant to eat, eat in, you know, the, of the tree of life, which will be in the paradise of God. He who overcomes, he goes, he goes they shall rule the nations with a rod of iron, just as I have given, been given from my Father. He who overcomes, I will make a, a pillar in the temple of my God. He shall go out no more. He says it over and over again. And it's, and it's, it's all through the, the, the writings of the scriptures that, like he says to Daniel, he says, go your way, Daniel. He says, for you shall sleep. And then he said, at the end of your days, he goes, well, you shall arise from the dead and, and claim your eternal inheritance. And that word, well, which we'll talk about in a second, is the, is the allotted portion that he would be given in the age to come. So God's saying this over and over again because he wants us, this is, you got to think of this, Hebrews 11 says of Moses, says that he put off the passing pleasures of sin because he looked to the reward. Some of you are like, I don't know how to get free of this sin. It's got you. It's pleasurable. And it's hard to get free from. And it's a vice. And it's, it's gripping you. And, and, and God actually lays it out. He goes, he goes, the reason why you can't get free is because you have no vision of the reward. You Listen, and because the reward to us is so fuzzy and so what, I mean, what was, like, if you get down and be real honest with Christians, you go, hey, man, are you excited about going to heaven? 
all the religious answers are like, yeah, but really, like when you actually talk to somebody, they're like, I, I mean, if they were to be honest, your, the honest answer would be, I mean, it's, I, it's a lot better deal than going to the other place. I mean, you know, if I got to pick, you know, I don't, I mean, I think it's going to be good, but the, I, it's so cartoony in our mind. It's like we're going to some big cloud room. You know what I'm saying? Where we're all like, you know, walking around, and we're all like a vapor. You know what I mean? And I go to hug somebody, and I'm like, and I go right through them, and you know, and everything's a hall of echoes, and I'm like, and you know, there's a fat baby flying around with with wings, and and or it's the other picture. It's like, you know, everybody's like on a mountainside and a beautiful sunset that's always in the background. You know what I mean? And there's a river over there, and and everybody's got their personal Jesus, and they're walking around in robes. And that's, that's like our picture of what we're going to go to, the heaven, you know, and we're going to go to see grandma, and so that's exciting. And that's, that's it. That's, that's, that's the reward. That ain't going to help you get, all, get free from the passing pleasures of sin. It doesn't work. Try it next time. You're, you're sitting there and struggling, and just think about seeing grandma. It doesn't work. It's not going to get you out of porn. <laughs> it's just true. And it's because we don't have a vision for the age to come that we have no anchor to resist in this life. In fact, I mean, it, 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 these things go together. When, when, we, when, we get, when we get a vision, this is what, 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 um, what Paul said in Corinthians. He said, he goes, he goes if, it, if it's in this life only that we have hope, he goes, then we are to be most pitiable above all men. Like, like why did we give up everything he goes, the only reason we did what we did and we lived as the dregs of society and we allowed the, ourselves to get beaten and, 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 and cursed at and kicked out of synagogues and whipped and, and lashed and, and stoned. The reason why we went through all that is because we understood there was a greater reward coming for these things. You know, Paul said this. He goes, he goes these momentary light afflictions are working in me an eternal weight of glory. Think about Paul for a second. If you read his like 2 Corinthians, he talks about how he was shipwrecked, stoned, beaten, cast out of synagogues by his own brethren, rejected, and fastings often. Not because he was fasting, just he couldn't, he had no food. You know, uh, uh, cold. He was, he was, he was, I mean, all the negative things he goes through and, and, and cast out by his own countrymen. And at the end of it, he says, these momentary light afflictions. Like you and I, if we wait too long at McDonald's, we're like, this is persecution. This is like worse than martyrdom. I, 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 you know, we, we, if, we, if we had the power, we would open up the, the ground and swallow everybody in front of us, right? And yet, yet Paul saw all the things he went through, all the difficult, difficult things he went through, and he could call it light only because he had revelation of the glory that was going to come. And this is what the Bible says, that God works all things together for the good of those who love him. It's not that everything that happens to you is good. In fact, a lot of things are going to be really bad, really wicked. But God has the ability that if you respond right to work that negative, ugly, wicked thing that happened to you for your good in the ages to come. Because if you respond right, he will actually add it to your reward system. And this is why everyone's given, you know, it, it's, it's, it's the reality that God is working. He has, a, he has like an amphitheater where he's taking everyone's life and the good, the bad, and the ugly, and he puts it all in, in there. And he has a mixture of it all to help you, um, that if you respond rightly within that mixture, to bring you to the most elevated levels of glory that you could, that you could attain. 
And so everyone's given different, different degrees of suffering and different degrees of, 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 of you know, um, different degrees of, I don't know what I'm, I'm trying to say. Uh, there's a word, but I can't think of it right now. Challenges, right, but even like good things in their life. The whole, whole mix, the blessings, they're all mixed in together. That if you respond to them rightly, they will work for you for an eternal weight of glory. Hebrews chapter 11, what, what is that chapter known as? Does anybody know? Yes, and it's, they call it the what chapter? Does anybody know? The faith chapter. Good job. All right, so Hebrews 11, I want you to just look at this verse here. It says this, Hebrews 11, in verse, um, we'll start in verse 5. So in ver- starting in verse 5, it says, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now look at this. But without faith, it is impossible to please God, please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Anyone that wants to come to God, this is the key aspect that you have to believe that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I don't want a reward. I just want Jesus. No, no. Anyone who wants to come to God has to believe this, that God will reward you for those who diligently seek him. You know what's interesting about Hebrews 11? If you actually read it in the context of it, so much about the reward that he's trying to get to talk to you about is about the ages to come. Not this life. If you don't know that, you're going to live disappointed. If you don't understand that all the greatness that you think is promised to you is, is, is actually mostly about the next age and not this life, you'll live severely disappointed. Sometimes in this life, it's about giving up. And it's about going low. and It's about submitting. and It's about loving others and preferring others because God has a great reward in the ages to come for you. But we have to get a vision for that. It says this in, uh, a little later on in Hebrews 11. I want you to flip down to verse 8. It says this, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out to go to a place which he would receive, later receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Look at this verse. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Let me ask you something. When Abraham was alive, did he find a city on the earth that he went to dwell in, whose, whose foundations, whose builder was God? Did that ever happen? No, it didn't happen. And he says, he goes on, he says, um, it, you know, it talks about Sarah, and, her, and then it goes to verse 13. It says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises. He never did find that city. But having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth of the land. For those who say such things plainly, uh, declare plainly, they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had an opportunity to return, for now they desire a better. That is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not, uh, not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Later on in in Hebrews 11, he goes on, he says, he goes, he goes, everyone in faith, he goes, they were, many of them, he goes, he goes, wouldn't even accept deliverance, rather being tortured, he goes, to, 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 to endure with the people of God. He says, they, they didn't, they, they, they were tempted, they, you know, wandered in sheepskins, and they, they went all about, and it says, it says, because they desired a better resurrection. 
That's Hebrews 11. That's the context of what he's talking about. That he's talking about these people went through it. They endured the suffering because they understood there was a better resurrection coming and that God had a city prepared for them. Now, if we don't ever even think about the city or it's just a cloudy something in the sky, you're never going to be motivated by reward to actually overcome certain things in this life. And so, what is this place? Well, one thing, that's, it's, it's interesting that um, we're not excited about going to heaven because we have wrong perceptions of it. We, we think when we, we're dying, like I said, we're going to be in the big clatter room singing the longest praise and worship song in the history of history all the time, which I'm sure for the first billion years is okay, you know what I'm saying? But that second billion, it's going to get a little tougher, you know? You're still going, holy, 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 almighty, risen is this God. <sighs> holy, holy, holy. You know what I mean? Now the third billionth year, you're like, holy, holy, holy. Lord God, man, there's got to be a different song we can sing. All right? That's our idea of heaven. And so it doesn't excite us. But you, I mean, let me just throw this. In the book of Revelation, even the four living creatures are singing other songs. Okay? It's not just one big, long, it's not just big, one big conference center forever. All right? The Bible talks about us that we're going to actually be living and reigning with him on the earth. And that, you know why that excites us? Because that's what we were made for. We don't, we don't get this idea of an ethereal gas realm you know, that we're going to live to. The Bible actually says that heaven and earth is coming together. Revelation 21 says that the new Jerusalem, which is a city, and it literally has, it's not just a city, it's a city that has a river. It's got, it's got trees. It's got streets, streets of gold, actually. Um, it's got, you know, uh, 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 obviously a big conference center where, the, where the, the, the Lord dwells that we'll go to from time to time, and we'll, and, and we'll stand before him, and there's fire that comes forth from him. But then we're actually, there's actually um, uh, a city with dimensions. It says it's a 1,500-mile-wide city, and it's 1,500 miles long, okay? This is a big city Just with 12 gates around it. Okay, so you got 12 gates, so that's... that's um, you know, it's, it's four on each side. No, 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 it's going to be, it'd be three, three on each side, right? Three on each side. If you just did the math, be, between each gate would be, like a dry, would be like driving from here to Washington, D.C. And that's, that's just one of the gates of the city. It's just a giant city that's 1,500 miles wide by 1,500 miles long. And it says in the Bible, Revelation 21, that it's 1,500 miles high. We did the math on that. If you jumped off the top building, it would take you 11 hours to hit the ground. You know, you would just be like, pack a sandwich, you know. I mean, we, we did all this kind of math, like how long it would take to, uh, to take an elevator, average elevator ride, and it was like four days, I mean, just straight, just going, you know. Like, we, we, you know, if you had to lick a lollipop the whole way, how, how, many, pop, how many licks did you go through? We, we, we did all this math on it. And, and, but it's a real city we're going to go to, all right? That city is going to come down to the earth. And it's not just, it, this is actually, this was actually talked about throughout the scriptures. So, so, so you guys know uh, Abraham, right? You're good friends. Okay, so, so old Abe, you guys, so we read earlier, right? He's, he's in Iraq. He's in the, the land of Ur. You know, you're, you are. And, he, and, and the Lord speaks to him and says, go to a land that I'm going to show you. And so he gets up, takes everybody, and he goes to it. He, not, he said he went out not knowing where he was going. And he gets, the, he gets to this place, and the Lord says, now, in the land of Canaan, look to the north, the south, the east, the west. All the land that, I, that you see I will give to you as an eternal possession. He says, and I'll give it to you, and I'll give it to your seed forever. And and so he's like, okay, Lord, how, in verse chapter 15, he goes, how will I know that I will possess it? 
And the Lord says, he, what he, the Lord does is he puts him to sleep and he has a dream and he sees all these dead animals and they're all split on the side uh, like of a road. And there's like, there's like you know, um, half cow and half cows over here. They're split. And this is actually how they used to do ancient covenants. They would take an animal and they would split the animal in half, put the animal on each side, and then they would walk down the midst of the split animals and the, the two parties that were making the covenant together, and they would walk down the split animals. And the idea was that if any one, either one of us ever broke this covenant, what's happened to these animals would happen to us. It's, more, it's why Jesus says to those who actually once followed him and then fell away, he says that they will be split in two and, and given their portions with the unbelievers. That's in Matthew 25, by the way. So, this is what he said. He sees the animal split, and then all of a sudden, instead of the two parties walking down, he only sees God by himself walking down the midst of the animals like a burning torch. And it's God saying, I'm putting this covenant on me. It will come to pass. This isn't even really about you, Abraham. He goes, you've been, you've been faithful with what you did with your son Isaac. He goes, I am putting, or what you will do with your son Isaac, I'm putting this on me to bring this to pass, this will come to pass. And he looks at him, he says, he says, Abraham says, I mean, God says to Abraham, he says, I will give to you and I will give to your seed the lands from the Nile to the Euphrates River. Okay, so if you had a map, you go to, you go, you know, ge geography, you would see the Nile is around Egypt, okay? Uh, and the Euphrates River goes all the way to what we say modern day Iraq. And it goes, it goes up a little higher as well. And it's a, roughly a 1,500 mile square area. And he says, he says, I'm going to give you this land as an everlasting possession. And he, then, he, he, then Abraham has a son. Does anybody know what his son was? Isaac, okay? And the Lord appears to him and says, as I appeared to your dad because your dad was faithful, he goes with the word, he goes, I'm going to give to you and I'm going to give to your seed all these lands, the same lands, make the same promise. Then he has a son and his son's name was Jacob. And the Lord visits him and says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give it to you and to your seed. And so Here's what happens. If you read Acts chapter 7, verse 5, it actually talks about this, how God made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that they would inherit the lands, and yet it says this, that all the days that they lived, they never inherited even one foot of that land. It says they lived in the land. You've ever heard they lived in the land as sojourners or pilgrims, right? Or it, the same word as tenants but they never were eternal possessors of the land. One reason is this. How can, you, how can you own anything eternal if you yourself are not eternal? It's why the, the resurrection is required for them to actually inherit their promises. But they, he said, you're not, you didn't get one, one foot of it. Now, is God a liar? No, he's not a liar. So therefore, it has to be in the resurrection that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will arise to receive their allotted portion of land that God actually promised them on the new earth, the, the new heavens and new earth. This is what, it's what Jesus said, that when the wicked are no more, uh, I'm sorry, Psalm 37, when the wicked are no more, the meek shall inherit the earth. And Jesus actually quotes it later on. So Abraham is told he's going to be given this land. He never gets it during his lifetime. Ezekiel 37 talks about this, how they're going to, the Lord's going to raise them from the dead. They're going to inherit the land again, right there, all that. Everybody's like, great. But remember, the promise was to you and to what? Your seed. Now, the nation of Israel all believed that was talking about all of them, right? They're the seed of Abraham, right? What Paul says, this is in Galatians 3, he shows up. Now, follow me for just a second. Everybody, everybody put your hat on your thinking hat. He comes in and says this. He says that seed that, that Abraham was talking about was written in the singular seed, not seeds. And that seed was talking about Jesus, the ultimate seed of Abraham. 
In other words, the promise was to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Jesus, that they would gather this land and have this land together. Now, question, why, therefore, why didn't Abraham get it while he lived? Because Jesus had not yet come. Okay, we kind of get that, right? They couldn't inherit together. So fast forward, Jesus comes. He's on the earth now, first coming. Why didn't he all of a sudden restore the entire earth and do all the promises to Abraham? Because Abraham was dead and could not receive it together with the saints. Therefore, there, it requires that there be a resurrection from the dead, that Abraham gets up with his sons, and that Jesus also comes back at a second coming to inherit the land together. So you guys are like, sweet! What about us? <laughs> Here's what Galatians 3 says. It says that you have become co-heirs with Christ because we have been baptized into Christ and hidden into Christ. No, we've become one with them, and therefore we share in the promises of that seed. This is why you have eternal life, because you have now the faith, you've been given the faith of Abraham to inherit the earth forever. That city is going to come down to the earth, and we are going to inherit the city with the patriarchs, and we're going to rule and reign with Christ. Rule and reign with Christ. What are we doing? We're actually going to be working jobs. Everybody's like, woohoo. Listen, work was never a part of the curse. Work, by the sweat of the brow, was a part of the curse. But God had people working in the garden before the curse ever happened, right? Because God wants you to do something with your hands. You're, it's called ruling and reigning with Christ. Did you know the Bible in the Old Testament talks about there's going to be, after the Battle of Armageddon, when the cities are destroyed, they're going to be rebuilding cities in the millennial kingdom? There's going to be, oh, there's so many verses about that. Did you know in Ezekiel chapter 38, that's just crazy. It says that after the battle of Armageddon, it's so much carnage in the land. So much people are dead. It says that it takes seven months to clean up all the bodies that are laying around. Somebody's getting that job. It says there's, and then, it, then people have to go out and take, this is into the millennial kingdom, and gather all the equipment around the field, and it takes seven years to burn it all. And they got to take all the bodies to this valley called Vame, Valley of Haman Gog and throw it in there. And that's where they're going to bury all the, all the wicked dead. And it says the people that are actually going to go out and bury all of them and go out and then go out and search parties. It says they'll send out search parties and they'll find bones and they'll take it to the Valley of Haman Gog and they'll put it in. It says these people will be famous in Israel. I mean, they will be like, like our, our superhero sports stars. Like how we are now, we're like, oh my gosh. You know, we, we got some name. We're going to be like, oh my gosh, you know, that guy who's. You know, the bone digger, you know, like that guy, that guy who's the servant, you know what I'm saying, that would go out and do that. This is, this, and this is where this thing's going. There's so many verses about um, the, uh, the rewards that, the, like, like, there's verses about King David coming back on the earth. Like, I want you guys to picture this for a second. There's going to come a day you're going to be on the earth with, with Jesus and all the resurrected saints, and we're going to be reading the Bible together, and you're going to be studying Ezekiel, and you're going to be like, what did Ezekiel mean by that? I don't even, I don't even know what, I don't know what that means. And you're going to go, Hey, Ezekiel, come here. And you're going to have a conversation with Ezekiel. Like he's going to be, he's a, he's a dude, he's a guy, he's a man. He's going to be on the earth in resurrected body. The Bible talks about the, 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 the rewards that we're going to be given. It, it talks about our own bodies are going to get up from the ground and we're going to be given a glorified body. First, Corinthians, First Thessalonians 4, Paul goes, he goes, he goes, I don't want you brothers to, to, to sorrow as those who have no hope. And he's talking about those, he goes, he goes those that have died in the Lord um, you know, who, who have died in the Lord, and they're like, he goes, I don't want you to sorrow about their deaths. And he, and he says, let me see if I can read this exactly. Uh, First, Corinthians, First Thessalonians 4. Uh, huh? Fast thumbs, fast thumbs. First Thessalonians 4. Hold on a second. There it is. First Thessalonians 4. He says this. Um, 
No, I thought it was there. Am I second? No, I'm in third. Oh, he said, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as, other, as those who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from, with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. This is how Paul did funeral eulogies. Like you and I, we go to the funeral eulogy. It doesn't matter what the guy was like, right? I mean, he could have been an absolute, you know, terrorist, you know what I mean? And we're like, he's in a better place, right? He didn't do any of that, you know? And he didn't also go like, he didn't want to like, woo! He just looked, at, he, would, he would like look at the, he'd like go to the casket and like open it up and like, everybody take a look. You like pick him up, like weekend, weekend at Bernie's. Take a look, you know. And he's like, he's like, he's like, this body, you know, maybe there's like parts hanging off. I don't know, you know. And he's like, he's like, it's going to get up in just a minute. He goes, I want to give you comfort. He goes, because when the Lord returns, he says, he says, those who sleep in Jesus, he goes, when he returns, they're going to come up out of the ground. And, and he's going to come back with all those who sleep in the Lord. Think about that for a second. So he said, he said, he said, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. He says, he says, when he comes, he'll come back with all those who sleep in Jesus, and the dead in Christ are going to get up. How does that work? How, okay, if you're dead in Christ, how can he come back with you, and how can you also be getting up at the same time? And the answer is yes. So this is exactly what's going to take place. And the, in, in the, that's when the, when the trumpet blows, and Jesus starts to return. You've been waiting under the, under the altars in heaven uh, up until that time. Or, you know, you've been hanging out there, for, you, know, you know, you've been there for a couple of years before the second coming. And, and there's Adam who's been there for like 6,000. You're like, man, sorry, dude. And, now, you know, and y'all been waiting and waiting and waiting for your, for your, your glorified body. And, and, and all of a sudden, it's the moment. And you're coming down out with the Lord out of heaven. And you're coming towards the earth. And then you're watching something happen. You're watching your body that's been in the ground all of a sudden is reconstituting. And now it's rushing back towards you. And you're going to right into it, and it's going to change in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, into the glorified body. And it's, I mean, listen, the Lord has an accounting system of every atom. Now listen, this is unbelievable because you got to think about it. Your body is going to die, right? And worms are going to eat that body, right? And then, you know, so-and-so is going to come by, and, or, you know, a chicken's going to come by and eat that worm, right? And then so-and-so is going to come by and eat that chicken. I don't know how that all works, but I guess a part of that guy's coming out. I'm not sure, but it's going to join. The Lord reconstitutes the bodies. And this is why in, in um. You know, when, about Lazarus, right? When Lazarus had died and been dead four days, they're like, Lord, don't go in there. He's been dead four days. There's a stench now. He's, he's decaying. His body's decaying. Yet when he comes out, he comes out completely reconstituted and whole. Right? And the dead saints that rose at the time when Jesus came out of the ground, they've been dead for who knows how many, years, how, how many decades or centuries. And they come back and they're whole in the moment. And the people could recognize who they are. And the Lord's going to, going to do that again. And we're going to see our bodies and we're going we're gonna to enter our bodies and, and our bodies are going to be filled with the glory of God. There's no more tears. There's no more crying. There's no more pain. There's no more suffering. And this, this body is actually going to emanate the very light of God. But what's interesting about that, I want you to follow me here, is 1 Corinthians 15 says this, As one star differs from another star in glory, so also will it be at the resurrection of the dead. In other words, I, I, you go out at night, right? you got to get away a little further away from the city, and you go out and you look at the stars, right? And you look at one star, right? And you look at Beetlejuice, you're like, ooh, you know, it's really big up there. You know what I'm saying? Actually, I don't, know, I don't even know if you can even see that one, but it's a big star. 
you know, you see, a, you know, whatever, another star, and you're like, man, it's beautiful, big star. And then you look next to it, and there's another star that's, that's struggling. You know what I mean? Doesn't have quite the same, not the same glory on it. You know what I mean? He says, so also will it be the resurrection of the dead. I don't know about you guys, but I want, like, in the age to come, like, the way I lived my life, it, 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 it comes off in the reward system in the way that I actually, actually glow in the glory of God in the age to come. I want, when I walk in, the angels are like putting on glasses, you know what I mean? They're like, dang, my crown, like I'm having people like help me, you know, they got to hold it up, you know, we, 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 a team's got to throw it, you know, when, it, when it's time. I don't want to be the, I don't want to be the guy that's like, you know, going out, you know what I mean? Every now and then it's like, darkened everything. You want, you want your, your, the very glory that you emanate to be shouted from the rooftops. The way you lived in secret is now shouted from the rooftops. Right, that you 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 love God, but the way that we become great in the age to come is different than the way we become great in this age. Right, he who wants to be the greatest of all will be the what, the least servant of all, and that's why Jesus said that the first shall be last, and the last shall be first, and the middle stay in the middle. I guess, but the people that sometimes were in the least least positions in this age, right? are going to sometimes, in, in the next days, many of them will now be in the greatest positions in the age to come. And what does that mean? There's, I mean, there's people that are, didn't have, maybe they didn't have a lot in this life. They grew up and they didn't have good families. They didn't have a dad around. They were in the, the, the wrong area of town with the bad schools and the churches that were weak. And they grew up in that environment around all kind of negative stuff. Maybe they were not that smart. And they didn't have a lot of gift. They were the one talent person. And they didn't have a lot of attention. And they didn't have a lot of opportunities in life. Yet, many of them will be faithful with the one talent they got. And I'm telling you, in the age to come, they're going to be kings and queens. And there's going to be other people that were in first place in this life. They, were, they, they, they had the good parents. They grew up in the right area of town. They went to the great schools. They you know, went to a good church that taught all of the things. Maybe they even became a, a pastor or a teacher or a leader or whatever. Maybe became a megachurch pastor. I don't know. But, but internally, there was selfish ambition, and they were doing it for their own, for their own glory. Yet, they, yet they're part of them still loved God, right? And in the age to come, they will be in some of the least positions. You know, Jesus said, said uh, he said, uh, Matthew 5, he says, he says, if you do and teach the least of these commandments, the least commandments, he goes, you will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But if you break and you teach others to break the least of these commandments, you will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. So what did Jesus mean? That means when we get to the age of come, there's a group over there. I don't know how it's like a banner, you know, least. I don't know if not, you know what I'm saying? They're going to be happy, I guarantee you. I guarantee you, they're going to be like, we're, we we, we're not there. We're not, we're not going to hell. We're not burning. I mean, this, this is a way better situation. We, this is grace. But I'm telling you something. You have an opportunity right now, this moment that you're li- you and I are living in, it's a dressing room for eternity. It's like you're getting an opportunity right now to, to, to try on the clothes for how you're going to actually live forever and ever and ever. And what you do with this short internship called life is going to place you in positions of authority over the, the, the new earth in the age to come. And I don't know about you guys, I want to be doing something that's near and dear to God's heart. I don't want to just, I mean, I, you know, I'm sure the, the janitor will be happy up there too, but, you know, you kind of, I, I want a good job. I want, to, I want to do something that's like, 
that's near. This, remember, this, remember, this is James and John. They sent their mom. Remember, they sent their mom to Jesus. They say, Jesus, in the kingdom, can my two boys, can they sit at your right and left hand in, in your kingdom? And Jesus says, well, that position is not really for, for my father's the one that's going to give that get position up. But I'll tell you the secret. The greatest, the one that's going to sit in those positions will be those that are the servants of all now. So he has a the system that's backwards. He says those, he, he goes, in the world right now that, 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 that rule, he goes, they lord it over people, but it will not be so with you. Because remember, he told the 12 disciples, he says, in the regeneration, you who have followed me will sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. In the second coming, he goes, you're gonna, you guys that have followed me, all of you are going to sit on the thrones over Israel, and you're going to be given governmental positions with me. This is what Jesus said, he who overcomes, I will grant to sit on my throne just as, as I sat down now, on my father's throne. In other words, when he comes back, he's going to grant other believers to sit with him on his, on his throne. And what does that mean? That doesn't mean there's like, it's not like this massive chair in the age to come, and we're all like, you know, three billion Christians' butts trying to squeeze into one chair. I'm like, dude, you need some weight, you know. It's, it's, what he means by that, it's, it's positions of governmental authority that you're going to be given with Christ. This is what Daniel 7 talked about. It said, it talked about that, that, um, it says at that time, it says the kingdoms, of, of the, uh, the kingdoms under all of heaven shall be given to, the, the, to the, the saints of the Most High. And it actually says that we'll also be given to the Son of Man we'll rule over. We'll rule it together with him. Is this, is it, are y'all following what I'm, I mean, I want to make sure I'm not, okay? And it's the promise that was given to Abraham. It's the promise that was given to Isaac and that you and I would actually enter into this. And God is trying to motivate us. And most of us aren't even thinking about that. Like, like I said this to the interns, I go, I go, I said, most of us here, most of you guys here are thinking about your five-year plan, right? Like, what, who do you want to be in five years? You know, like, maybe you're like, I'd like to graduate. I'd like to have my own place. I'd like to find somebody that, you know, get, maybe get married. You know, you've got, that's your plan, and that's a great plan. Get, that's, that's good. <coughs> but have you ever thought about your thousand-year plan? What do you, who do you want to be in a thousand years? You're going to live that long. You're like, I just want to be in the cloud of with babies flying around. Hey, that's not going to motivate you. You know what I'm saying? Why, why would you give up anything in this life? You might as well eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. But if you, if you have a vision for what's coming, it has the ability to motivate. Yeah. I just feel like uh, I was reminded like 15 years ago, I started looking at Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus, the way he rules his kingdom. And I was, I'd been in church and been saved for over a decade at that point. But when I was looking at the Sermon on the Mount with a fresh lens, like, okay, this is how he rules his kingdom. The first are going to be last. The poor, they get the kingdom. The poor in spirit, the meek, they inherit the whole earth. And, you know, I'm, I'm like, this is what you like, Jesus. This is what you value. And it struck me, and I'm like, God, I don't even know if I'm saved. I mean, I was saved, but, like, my mentality was so different. And the way I thought about greatness in God was the same in the world, like famous. Or, like, if I do, like, maybe I just have to have my name out there, and I'm leading this huge ministry, and that makes me great in God. Or if people know my name, or I've, I've done something great. I've written a book, or, I, you know, how we think in the world. And yet God thinks of greatness so different than what we think of, of greatness. Or you think, man, I, I'm not going to be great in the age to come. I'm like 20. I don't, even, I don't even know anything. I hardly know the Bible. 
And God, he just levels the playing field. And he, he thinks so differently than we do. And greatness, you can be, begin to be great today. It's, it's what you do in the secret place. You know, I love this verse. It says, blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he's overcome, he's going to receive the crown of life. And all, how many of you deal with temptation? Every day, right? One of the ways to be great in God and get rewarded and get a crown is saying no to temptation. Every single day. You get thousands of chances to do this. And as you say no to temptation and you endure and you say, no, 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 Holy Spirit, where's that escape door? Where's that escape door I'm going to escape? As you say no to that, he's like, I'm giving you a crown of life for this. You're going to get a crown of life for that. You know, it's, he says, if you give somebody a cup of water, like go to the water fountain, get a little solo cup, fill it with water, give it to someone, you're going to get a prophet's reward for that. So you're going to get rewarded as the same way the prophet who gives the prophetic word that pierces someone's heart, like, you know, the crazy prophetic ministry, you're going to get that same reward for giving somebody a cup of water. Who can give a cup of water? I mean, I might not be able to give you the prophetic word that tells you your whole life story, your address, and your phone number. I want to do that, but I can right now give you a cup of water. And God rewards for that. When I began to teach the Sermon on the Mount, I had, he's actually one of our key senior leaders now, but at the time he was just like an intern or something. And he, he started picking up trash in the parking lot. And he was, like, so happy, and he came in. We had testimony time. He's like, Jamie, I picked up trash in the parking lot today, and it was so epic and awesome. And I'm kind of looking at him. And he's like, no, really, like, the meek inherit the earth. I'm going I'm to pick up trash today so I can own the whole earth in the age to come. This is how God rewards. And he started to get a vision for this. Jesus who washes feet. Jesus is going to serve in the age to come forever. This is who he is, and this is what he's inviting us into. You know, the way we love our prayers, the weak, like, Jesus, help me and help my family. You know, the weak prayers we pray, and when we give, I don't have a lot, but I give what I have. It comes up as a memorial before God. He remembers it forever. Every single word, Malachi 3 tells us, when you speak, speak and you talk about Jesus to one another, he's writing down in his book of remembrance. He doesn't forget anything. So you're sitting around just kicking it with your friends talking about God and, and angels are taking note and it's getting written in his book forever. It's really unbelievable. Every choice you make where you say no to sin and yes to God, there's rewards for that. Every time you love, you give, you serve in secret. When nobody's even looking, he's always looking. And he always rewards. So I know it can seem like, oh my gosh, rewards, and I don't even know how to get that, and that glory you're talking about, and shining, and ruling, and it seems like almost like science fiction when he's up here talking, like, what are you even talking about? I'm, I'm just trying to, like, not sin and, like, live for Jesus. But this is what it's unto. It's unto you're never going to die. Like for real, like you're never going to die. You're going to live forever in Christ. 
you're going to live forever and he's going to reward you. And he so honors you that he doesn't forget one labor of love. That's what the Bible says. One little act of love that you make toward his name. One labor of love that you do. He doesn't forget anything. He remembers forever and he's so honored and dignified our human choice that he'll reward our yes towards him. The little yes you say every single day, the days you fast, the days you pray, the day you, like, I'm trying to, like, tell somebody about Jesus, and it's so pathetic and weak, but I'm trying. I'm trying to love that person that's really difficult to love. God sees it all, and he's going to reward you for it. You know, you're enduring temptation. You're getting rewarded. You're, you're longing for his appearing. You're getting rewarded. You show up, and you say, I'm, God, today all I feel is weak and broken, and I have nothing to offer you or anybody else. I don't even know the Bible. I can't even understand it. And he says, oh, poverty of spirit. You get the kingdom. Blessed are the poor in spirit. On this one, I'll look who's poor and who's humble and who's broken. And that's how God, that's his ways. It's so different from our ways. Because those who get rewarded in this life are the rich and the famous, right? They get the rewards in this life. But in the age to come, it's the one who, who serves in secret, the, the weak, the lowly, the broken, who just has a yes in their heart toward Jesus. And he's leveled the playing field so we can, all, we can all enter in. You can start laying up your crowns today in the way that you live your life. You know, she said that verse, I was thinking of the exact, I mean, the same verse going in my mind. It's uh, James 1.12, blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he shall receive the crown of life. You know what's interesting about that verse, the crown of life. The other time that it, that one's mentioned in the Bible, it's in Revelation 2. And he says, some of you are about to suffer and you're going to be put in prison for 10 days. And he says, basically, hold on. He says, be faithful until you die. You're a martyr and I will give you the crown of life. So the guy who overcomes lust is getting the same reward as the martyr. Because some of us are like, you know, you can't, you, you know, you're not going to, some of you are not probably going to be martyred. I mean, probably 75% of you are going to get martyred, but the rest of you guys, you know, you're probably not going to get martyred. I've always just said, I've decided, you know, it's like, if I'm like 90, you know what I'm saying, and I haven't kicked the bucket yet, you know, and I don't know, I want that martyr's crown, you know, I may just stick a, Christian t-shirt on, walk to Mecca, you know, anyway, but think about that, the martyr, the guy who gives his life to Jesus and dies for his faithful testimony to Jesus, Jesus gave the same reward to the guy that was blessed because he overcame temptation, and, but notice he said he endured temptation, there is an element of this thing that God, that, that God, God is, it's like this, it's like he set this whole thing up because he wants those that are going to be with him and to inherit glory and, and to inherit the new earth, he requires that they all first have overcome. I, he, that, that's a part of it, right? The very thing that Satan and his, and his angels actually fell, God's actually going to show his wisdom to the powers of principalities by actually having a people that are weaker than them that actually said yes, even though they were weaker. And they're going to overcome. And he wants that. He wants that for you. And I want to read this last chapter in uh, 1 Corinthians 3. Just listen to this. He says, 
we are all God's, First uh, Corinthians 3, verse 9, we are all God's fellow workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building, all right? Everybody said, I'm a building, all right? You're a building. We're all building together. Okay, now listen to this. He says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me, a wise master builder, I have laid a foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can be laid uh, than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Okay, so, so you go out to a, a, a work site, right? And you see they're getting ready to put a building together. What's the first thing that they, they put down? The foundation, right? The big slab, concrete slab. What is the, what, if you ever, if you talk to anybody, what's the most important piece of the building? If you, if you make a, a wonky slab, you know what I'm saying? If it's, if it's leaning, <laughs> your building ain't got no shot. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you put, a, if you put in a, a 45 degree angle slab, <laughs> right? There ain't nothing you can build on that. It's got to be a good slab, right? You just got to be no cracks in it. Well, the Bible says this that that slab on all of the buildings in here, okay, your foundation for everybody is Christ Jesus. In other words, your salvation is by grace through faith alone in Jesus. He is everyone, everyone that's in the body of Christ has the same exact slab, Jesus. But be careful how you build on top of that slab. This is your works, okay? You're saved by grace through faith. But be careful what works you actually add to that message. And he goes on, he says, he says, now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's works of what sort it is. And if anyone's work which he has built endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as through, as through fire. Think about this for a second. He says that, he's talking about believers that all have that foundation, right? But there's going to be some believers, right? He goes that they built on that foundation, the works of their life were, were, uh, were precious stones, gold, silver, right? What's interesting about that, if you just think, think this through, all of those, the, the ones that will remain when fire touches, it, every one of those are things that are underground. They're not seen. They're hidden. They're, they, to me, that speaks of something related to the hidden life, you know, the things that are valuable to God, meekness, character, love, all those kind of things. But wood, hay, and stubble is everything that's visible and seen. He says, he says people, other, others are going to build a wood, hay, and stubble. Now, if you, he said, the fire is going to touch each man's work of what sort it is. Now, if you put fire to wood, hay, and stubble, what happens? <laughs> And he says, there's going to be people that will make it into the age to come. He goes, they'll be saved, but as through fire, they're not going to have any reward for the, to show for their life. Yet they're born again. Huh? Three Little Pigs Bible Edition? Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I was like, I'm like, oink, oink, I didn't know what was going on. Um, so... And then there's going to be others that are going to, going to have, be able to stand and actually going to have a great reward. And I, I, I just, I, I feel that. This is that whole message. Behold, he says, you know, he says, hold fast to what you have. Let no one take your crown. Don't let anyone talk you out of your fire for God. Don't let yourself talk you out of that. Don't become too wise that you get an unbelief. You know what I'm saying? Like, because God wants to reward you forever. He wants to give you. He's got something great for you. 
He's already done things in you. But there's so much where you have no idea who you could be in five years with God. And it's like, man, if you'll just lean in right now, he, ha- he will reward you. Not in this life, yes, but I'm telling you, the hundredfold's coming in the ages to come. And that will matter to you. Right now, you've got, think about this, you've got 70 years on the earth, right? Roughly, I'm just giving take some, okay? I'll probably make it a little more than that, but I'm saying some of you guys may not. Anyway, so whatever it is, right? So you got 70 years. But if you, if, just, if you think about it, just in the light of eternity, okay, 70 years in the light of the thousand-year reign of Christ that's going to come at the first, right when he first comes, right? I mean, 70 years is like, it's way over here, right? If this was the line that went down, I mean, 70 years is like, okay, all right? That's your whole life in light of what you're going to have in the ages coming as far as you reigning over the nations. But then you have, you know, the, 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 the continuation of the... Um, the kingdom that's going to continue forever and ever. We're talking about that that little 70 years is going to get so, it'll be like a hair. I mean, just tiny, invisible compared to how long you're going to live. I remember one time I was sitting on the beach and I and I, I was just, I reached down and grabbed some sand. I was letting the granules of sand just run through my fingers. And I was looking at every single one of them and I just had this, this like inner dialogue with the Lord. I was like, each granule of sand, you know, represented 100 years. You know, I, I, it's innumerable. I can't count it. You know, and then I looked to the entire beach that was as far as I could see and stand. Like that, all of that together would be like a day in eternity. So I guarantee you're going to care much about this, and it, and right now you're being you're being approved to overcome for that age. You're being approved for the and tested for your positions with the Lord forever and ever and ever. Your rewards. I'm telling you guys, you're going to want a crown. You're going to want a white stone. You're going to want a. You're going to want it, something to matter. You're going, to want, you, you're going to, listen, you don't want to get there and you get up to heaven and the, and the four living creatures and the elders and they're casting down their crowns and these crowns are like, dang, 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 and you grab yours and it's a Burger King crown and it's paper and it's worthless and you're like, my life, all that I have. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's, it was, it's nothing, you know? Your robe's all tattered. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what it's going to be like. You know, Sam, I'm sure it's not going to be that. You're going to be happy. I get it, okay? But, I mean, I don't want to be, like, in the conference center. I'm on row, like, 8 million. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly how this all works. You know what I'm saying? But I don't want to be the guy that's, like, hanging on, you know, trying to look in through the window. Like, I, you want to be front row, like, you know, when the, when the angels are blasting and stuff like that. And you want to be doing the mosh pit right there with, you know, uh, Isaiah. And so, That's what you want, right? You want your life to have, to have mattered in such a way that, that I'm, I'm totally joking. I'm sure it's not all going to work like that. I mean, I'm sure it might. But anyway, but whatever it works, like, like you're, you're wanting right now to just begin to store up for yourself treasures in heaven, like, like in the ages to come. And it's not just some ethereal place. That place is coming to earth. You're going to have touch and taste and sight. And, I mean, everything's, you're going to, there's going to, Bible says in Hebrews, it says that, 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 that God's going to shake everything that can be shaken so that which cannot be shaken will remain. There's going to be certain things that you do in this life that are going to continue on into the ages to come. Things that were built on righteousness, things that were built on, that, he, that, that, that he loved. There's going to be songs that singers are going to sing that you're, they're going to be singing in the ages to come. Like at the great, the great whatever conference center and all the angels and the four living creatures are all leading the band. You know what I'm saying? And they're going to sing the song that you wrote in your closet. And then there's going to be other songs that we all love that never make it up there. Because they weren't sung with, in, in the place of purity of, 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 you know, of heart and to the Lord. They were, they were meant to actually give, them, give themselves fame or whatever. 
And I'm telling you, so get a vision for that. Like, I want to sing songs. I want to write, I want to write books that people are talking about in the age. Come. I, want to, I, want to, I want to live in such a way now that I'll be, I will be great forever in God's sight. Amen. Just one other thought, and then we'll pray. But, you know, God, he gives different people gifts, but we don't get rewards based on our gifts. Some of us are good at speaking in front of people or great singers. I'll never be that great singer. I'll never play the instruments. That's, I didn't get those gifts. I didn't get the gift to dance and like, you know, it's beautiful. Those aren't my gifts. And I'm not going to be rewarded less than the person who did get the gift to sing, right? So he doesn't reward us based on our gifts. He rewards us based on our faithfulness, right? So whatever gift you have, and some of us are super gifted, and you have 10 or 15 different things you're really good at, and some of us, we might can do one thing okay. <laughs> but that's how he's going to reward us, based on what do you do with that one thing you do okay? It's, it's the heart behind it. I, my, I'll, I'll end with this story of a revival that happened in the Hebrides. And there were these two little sisters, elderly, one was blind, and one was like, like hunched over and could barely walk. Peggy and Christine Smith, and these little ladies, they were homebound. They couldn't leave their home. All they could do was pray. That's all they could do, and they began to pray for revival. God, send revival, send revival, send revival. And God did. He moved at the sound of these two little intercessor ladies that were just completely handicapped, old, couldn't do anything else except sit in their house and pray. And God sends revival and just, you know, it's a historic revival where he just swept across the islands and people were saved. They were so convicted by the fear of the Lord, they would go turn themselves into the police station. Because they didn't know it was conviction and they didn't know they needed Jesus. They were just like, I'm wicked, arrest me. And they didn't know and they would go preach the gospel to him. And this swept across the whole island. And so I'm just, I just want to just remind us as we're talking about like living for the age to come, as we're talking about rewards, it's not about how gifted you are, how good you are. It's about how faithful you are. It really comes down to that, being faithful with what God's given you, you know, being faithful to his word. That's, that's where it really comes, it really comes down to. That's how you're going to be rewarded, not on how good or gifted you are, but on how faithful you are. Just saying yes to Jesus over and over and over again. No to sin. Yes to Jesus all day, every day. That's how we get rewarded. That's how we're great in the ages to come. Amen? All right, let's pray. Our worship team, if you guys want to come back up. And God, he's a rewarder, like Jamie was saying. And, and he rewards us in this life. You know, blessings every single day, like ways that he shows us, I love you and I care about you and I see you. The reward of his presence is, is amazing. I mean, how many of you have experienced little tiny rewards and you know, like, God, you see me, you know, he, he breaks through, gives you like the gift or the check or, or you feel his presence or he shows you a vision or he gives you a dream or he speaks to your heart through the word, just little ways that's like, oh. Somebody comes up and shows you kindness or, you know, little things. And you're like, God, you love me. You're rewarding me. I see this. 
but there there is real rewards in the age to come as well. And so we're, we're looking to and living for those. So let's just stand to our feet. And I just want to ask God to start to, just to help us see things differently, to see as he sees. How he defines greatness It's not about giftings. It's not about fame. It's not about being well-known in this life. It's about being faithful. He sees the heart. Being a servant, taking the low road, taking the low place. Blessing instead of cursing. to help us see as he sees, to value what he values, and that we would get a vision that's bigger than than the next five years, the next 10 years. You're never going to die. He who believes in me is going to live forever. You're going to live forever. I want you to get a vision of who you're going to be in a thousand years. 5,000 years and 10,000 years. We would get a vision for eternity. I want to fight temptation today so I get that crown from Jesus in the age to come. I don't want to be demanding and entitled, but I want to serve and love walk in humility in this age so I inherit the earth with the meek in the age to come. I want to walk in purity of heart in this age so I see God in the age to come. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. I don't want to always be fighting and in conflict. I want to help make peace Because the peacemakers in the age to come, they're the sons of God. They're called the sons of God. Get a vision for that age. I want to get a vision of standing before Jesus and Him rewarding us. I can let someone else get the credit for something I did in this age as long as I know the Father sees and He rewards me. I can endure the painful in this life, the sufferings, the challenges, the things that were lost and stolen and taken from me in this life that I can't ever get back. I can endure knowing He's going to make it right for me in the age to come, that all these sorrows of this life are going to work glory for me in the age to come. Only God can do that for you. Only He can take pain and give you beauty.
So just in your own way, in your own words, in your own mind, just begin to ask God to give you a vision for the ages to come. Ask him to help you understand what it means to be great in the eyes of God. How he sees greatness. The widow who just gave a couple coins. She didn't have anything else to give. Jesus said she gave more than anyone in the building. He sees differently than we see. show you. Ask him to teach you. Ask him to give you a hunger for the word that you would study this out for yourself. I just want to break shame off of some of you. This is not about performance and you think, God, I've, I've squandered so many years. I've wasted a lot that you've given me. I want to tell you that God can do what no one else can do. He can redeem time. He can restore years that were squandered and stolen and lost. Your yes today means everything to the Lord. You just begin saying yes right now, right where you are. You forget what lies behind. Forget what lies behind. Press on toward that which is ahead of you. Don't waste one more second in shame, in regret, in what ifs, and what could have been. I just break the power of shame off of you in Jesus' name. This is not about performance and working. I got to work to, this is what the, the false religions do. I've got to do all this stuff to attain all of this in the next life. And Jesus says, come to me. This is about nearness to me. This is intimacy with me. Come. Come, learn of me. I'll teach you. You who are weary and heavy laden, come to me. I'll teach you. I'm humble of heart. I'm lowly. I'm the servant of all. Come to me. Learn of me. This is about drawing near to Jesus and learning from him. Learning what he loves. Learning what he values. Becoming just like him. Father, I pray that you reveal yourself as the rewarder tonight, that you're the God who loves to give us good gifts. You love to give us good gifts. You love to give us the kingdom. It's your pleasure. That you're so excited that you're preparing crowns for us, that you're preparing glory for us. You've prepared good works for us to walk in. Let us see your smile tonight. Show us what you love so we could be those that you love. We could walk in what you love. 
Turn our eyes away from the worthless. Turn our eyes to you, to what's precious, to eternity. You've set eternity in our hearts. This is what we were made for. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message ministered to you and that the Lord met you. You can follow us on Instagram at GatekeepersATL. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.